G'day. Welcome back to the Ingredient X podcast. Today, I have our debut interview. A very inspirational young bloke by the name of Lingi Harangi sat down with me for about an hour and discussed the ins and outs of growing up in a foreign country, picking up on the local culture, and starting a very successful small photography business based in Shepparton, Victoria, Australia. Lingi has won photography and videography competitions. He's aiming to study some more and expand on his own business. A disclaimer I have to make is that this podcast was affected by some technical difficulties on my end, and so I've had to scrap the original idea of an hour vibe sesh, and now have had to adopt a bit more of a conventional interview style where I guide you through what Lingy has to say. These things happen, but I can guarantee I will do my best to minimize it ever happening in the future. So without further ado, let's get into the first Ingredient X podcast interview. I start out by asking Lingy how he feels about being the first one on the podcast. Number one, I think honoured, but I think at the same time, honoured and excited because like, this is something new, you know, this is going to kick off, this is going to be a vibe. Do you get me? Like, it's like, it's a, it's just a part of being... A part of something i think it's always a great thing in it like it's just that's it hey i kick off the questions for the interview by asking lingy about his past where he came from and when he came to australia i think a lot of people the first time i meet somebody they're just like oh what part of india are you from like i've always worked in um in customer service so i think my career started with like literally flipping burgers like at the age of like 15 you know like i was like what in year in year nine my first ever job and it started with just mucking around like i literally just started my first job and and my career started doing that and then people would always come in and say where are you from and i'll say um i'm from mauritius a lot of people might look at me and say oh you from india they might even start speaking the language things get awkward but no i'm actually from mauritius so i came here from um when i was in grade three so i would have been like i think seven to eight years old and um it has i think i've come from a very very long way it has been a very hard journey to where i'm at today and yeah so mauritius it's like a little tiny dot on the map next to madagascar so next i asked lingy about the language barrier that he encountered as well as some cultural differences that posed a bit of a challenge when coming to australia I've always, so Mauritius is a part of the British colony, so I've always learnt English. I've never put it to practice. So it's kind of like in year seven or year eight, you learn like your first language, which is like Italian or Japanese. So you might learn it, but you don't put it to practice. Obviously, when the class is over, Japanese stops there, Italian stops there. That was literally the same. So I would go to school, I would study in English, I'd read in English and stuff, but the moment you walk out of your class or the moment you just, you know, go back home, there comes Mauritian Creole, which is like French, right? So I think the best part about that was I always had a few languages. So I can understand the Indian language, which is Hindi. I never got the opportunity to speak it, but I can understand. So I can understand French, which is also the same as Hindi. Like I can understand it, but I can't speak it. And English, I'm lucky because I came to this country to practice it, to put it in use. If I lived in Mauritius, obviously, I would have... The main language is English, like what you communicate in, like in terms of writing and speaking. But yeah, that's it. Like I... When I came to Australia, like it was a mind 
like it was just mind-blowing because like I used to literally go like you know when dad used to show me around and like when I first came here he would be like look at the cow like you know like the British British would say it but now when I have that same conversation dad look at the cow like it's it's like a a whole different vibe what I think I got from Lingy explaining uh, that cow experience to me was that when he first came to Australia it was a way of practicing the language it was a way of pointing out things that uh, would help him develop his language skills but as time progressed uh, it was literally just a cow on the side of a road Lingy goes on to explain a bit of a story about some culture shock that he encountered and what that actually meant for him literally like you just like what is going on so that was a massive culture shock because you don't know your neighbor half the time in this country and over there my neighbor like i talk to them every single day like if they need like sugar salt pepper like do you, do you know what i mean like they're literally just like knock over the fence so hey can i have some like do you know what i mean like yeah, just like yeah, yeah. because they're your auntie they're your, your, like your uncle so like yeah come down man it's like woolies back in the days so yeah so that was the one massive culture shock but so one time going back to the story so one time i was in like grade three so um it was like the last day the last day of school and um so we gone around the class and we literally just sat like around the around like in a, in a circle we're going around the, the circle and like saying who's gonna bring what on the last day so you know um some people said i'll bring like you know coke others said they'll bring biscuits and so on and so on right so comes my turn and i wasn't sure and i was like oh i don't know like what do you want and stuff this is eight-year-old me here so someone suggested chips and i said cool like chips that's fine like, no drama like, just like chips like, like chips like in a bag like in a bag right okay, this, is a class party. this is a class party so we're not going all out so this is just a gavo we've just got kids yeah. obviously like that's fine no drama so i go home i tell mum, hey mum, um last day's tomorrow i'm gonna bring chips and to my parents like like in me we just thought chips back home we call chips like the hot stuff like the potato oh, chips okay. like like you like know like fish and chip shops exactly like with your salt and stuff no drama so i'm just like you just can't bring hot chips you gotta bring like hospitality wise and it goes back to the commemoration culture hospitality is unreal you can't just bring chips and i was like but yeah. mum, there's like people bringing coke and stuff i don't think it's a you know like i didn't understand you know i had to be safe didn't want to embarrass myself with two bags of salt and vinegar <laughs> do you know what i mean like just rock up so um so my mom and my auntie literally cooked from nine o'clock till about like 11 or something it was my mom like i remember the gathering was like what the class party was at like 12 or something for lunchtime and i said to my teacher first thing in the morning my mom's gonna bring in bring it in later and two bags of, two bags of so yeah. everyone thought i'm bringing like two bags of chips no drama so my mum rocked up with a platter of potato chips mauritian made chicken okay. like this is just platters of just food just coming in and stuff like almost like it's someone's birthday like you know what i mean like it was just all these food and everyone was just so shocked i was shocked because i was looking around i was like all these kids have like other things like anzac biscuits and all this and that like i was just like 
Gee, I kind of went all out. Mm. And that was the first time I learned that chips in Australia also <laughs> means <laughs> like other chips. Yeah. In Creole, they call it gato, which means cake as well as chips. That's when it gets confusing, like normal birthday cake uh, and chips. Right. So it goes back to the content. So if you say, yeah. um, go to Woolies, get me a packet of chips. So, you know, I'm referring to like, you know, chips, like, chips, yeah. Right? yeah. Whereas if you say, can I have like fish and chips, you know, I'm talking about the other thing. In Australia. In Australia. Yeah. So do you get what I mean? So it's kind of the same back home, but chips there, when you say, hey, I feel like chips, mm. it means I feel like Macca's chips, basically. Yeah, Macca's <laughs> chips. So after we finished talking about his original come up story, we progressed on to talking about what takes up the most of his spare time, his small business, Lingy's Photography. This business started when I was in year nine. Um, Did you want to tell everyone what that business is? Yeah, it's his Photography. Just a photography business. Lingy's like it's plug-in special. And um, it's a photography business, like a production company. And it started with literally we were going to go overseas. So going back home to Mauritius in year nine. Yeah. And I took my best friend around that time in year nine. Yeah. So we're going back and my mum, obviously, this is the first time we're going back home. And mum was like, you know what? We'll get the best of the best camera. And we'll take obviously amazing photos to make the most out of it. Of course. And um, so we just like bought an expensive camera, which was like about a thousand dollars, what at the time. And I had no interest on it whatsoever, right? So Mum wanted to set it up. Do you remember what the camera was? Yeah, it was a can. Uh, it was a Sony A fifty eight. Yeah, I oh, still I still remember that camera. Do you still have I still do, yeah. I still. Piece of memorabilia for you now. It is, yeah, because it's it's like a, it's a part of the history, like where it all started, like it. Yeah, that's it. Like I look at it and say, well, okay, started from the bottom, no here, like sort of thing, yeah. And anyway, keep going. So yeah, we um, we just went overseas. Mum wanted to set it up, no worries. So I looked at a few things online, and they did long exposure, right? So it's like first things you get into is like you know learning little things and i was like, like oh no just on youtube just on youtube like i just i was like what 15 years old yeah. youtube was great you know life was great so i looked up a few things and i was like well this is great this is cool and i started taking the camera like i started taking photos of it and my my best friend at the time he lived on a farm i'd catch up with him would take photos of like stuff on the farm and his dad was a like a like hobbyist photographer too and I looked at his gear, I looked at his work, all these people around me that had that skill or were very passionate about it started to get me into it slowly. You know, like I'd go to places and I slowly look at you know, like when news filming someone, I look at the camera, my like, world, that's cool. I go home, I look into it. And it was slowly, slowly not subscribing to people into that industry, getting used to it. And it went, it went big. Like I, someone asked me to take photos for their formal photos in year 10. And I was like, um, I'll do it. But then how do I ask how much I'm worth like, so to charge it? Yeah, there were. So I asked her to pay me $25. 
I interrupted Lingy at this point in the interview just to ask whether or not Lingy's photography was actually operational at that point or whether or not he was just photographing his family and friends. No, it was just like, I take photos. Like it wasn't a thing. I take photos, that's it. Yeah, friends and family. And I was like, I'm just going to take her photos. That's fine. I've got a nice camera. You don't need to pay me for it. I'll take the photos. Like just, you know, courtesy. And I took it. She said, oh, I'll pay you for it. Anyways, so at the bus stop, I said, she's like, oh, I'll give you the money tomorrow. She was really happy with the photos. This is like, you know, 15-year-old me just like taking photos of people here. Bit of No, no, no. It was literally edited on this like online website. I don't even know what it's called. Like it just, it was just, you know, you had to individually load in the photos and you had to remember what you did sort of thing so i was young so we yeah and then she said like i'll give you the money tomorrow at the bus stop and i said oh mad like first payment so because she had to catch the bus she gave me 23 dollars because she had to use two bucks to get home yeah i had to give her a discount first customer two bucks like you were underpaid. i was underpaid yeah i was underpaid i was underpaid i can't okay first of all first of all, you were underpaid but then you were underpaid from underpaid yeah i was basically underpaid from underpaid so it didn't um the running it didn't meet the running costs at that time because i never invested into the camera but yeah so and then little by little i started getting um mentors helping me like other photographers you know like on youtube i'd look up things and then the business grew little by little it just got bigger bigger and then people i started got a wee title you're the photographer and i said that sounds weird that sounds like you're like a cleaner sort of thing like do you know what I mean like he's like oh you're a photographer and i'm like yeah. oh but i just take photos for like for yeah. you know for little things like I'm not professional I don't have that gear and I'll touch on gear in a second because that's a very important thing and and it just grew like it it it, it grew and through photography I've been very um fortunate very lucky to be able to get out of my comfort zone because when you run your own business when you run you know it's your work it's your folio how do you approach somebody you know, like that first girl, like, how did I, I could have approached her and said, hey, my work is worth $100. It wasn't at the time, but how do you approach someone and say, hey, this is how much I'm worth, this is how much my time is worth. And little by little, I started to develop that skill, like to say, hey, yes, my work is worth $100. Yeah, my work is worth like 50 bucks. Do you get what I mean? Like it's slowly build and my people school just got better and better. Like, you know, I would, you know, meet people and so I'd, I'd get nervous the first time. And the second, I'd just work on that. And slowly, same with like editing as well. You know, people would say, that's great, but could you do this better? And that's what I mean. Like, it's not to stop you there. Mm-hmm. It's to help you, you know, get better at it. And that's an important thing as a young person too. Like, you're young, you're naive but you've got the power of the internet you can do anything you know you can learn to play guitar in like what a few months look up a few guitar tutorial you're cool like you can learn photography you can learn how to make music look at you you know look at yourself as an example like you've learned how to 
do this whole podcasting a few clicks away. So, but what was the best part was like able to get out of my comfort zone. You know, like you might take a few snap. You're happy with it, but there might not be. I took another direction with the next question. I asked Lingy if he had one piece of advice specifically for any budding photographers that are looking to get their name out there or their business up and running. Just don't be shy. Just get out there because the worst thing someone can say to you is no. Easy. Someone, you know, like you could ask for help and say, hey, can you give me a hand? Sorry, mate. No. But there's always going to be someone also who's going to say, yeah, why not? And if you're honest, if you just go, because at some point someone was a big enough, like it doesn't matter who, who it is, like you have to start somewhere. Like, do you get what I mean? Like you're not, we're not born with experience. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? I used to take photos, I'm not going to name who, for someone, a local event coordinator for free, literally. I used to finish school with mum's camera, just used to take snaps. And I used to get feedbacks. This is great. This is not great. Do this better. Do that better. And slowly, she started paying me, rewarding me for it. And that's when it grew. But what I'm trying to say is don't be shy to, like, approach someone. It could be a business. It could be anyone. You know, oh, you got your daughter's deb next week. Do you mind if I take it? Like, they can only say no. No, sorry, I've got another job. So no, we're not interested. But when they say yes, that's it. You'll do it. You'll learn from it. And that's the important part, you know, like you mess up, that's cool. But when you learn from it, that's the best part. I've stuffed up many times. Like like I've I've messed up many times, but you know, be honest with yourself. It's all right, cool. That's not gonna happen again. And that's when you learn from it. Next, I asked Lingy about the difference between being an ambassador for your brand yourself and selling someone a product as in the photos that you take versus the service that you provide in taking those photos. Yeah, it's a service, but it's also a name. That's the weirdest part. Like it's the business grew to a point where I couldn't keep up. And that was weird. Recently, yeah, it just hit to a peak stage where I'm like do I do this full time can I afford this full time did I is this what I wanted to do like is a hobby becoming a job is it about the money the uh, conversation about feeling pressured into doing work for money quickly turned into a conversation about whether or not it was a requirement to have a mentor that could upskill you in your chosen profession to me a mentor has already been through it. They've been there, done that, and they can say, hey, settle down a bit. You can run into this and this and this. Because photography uses it as an example again. Like, you could be anywhere. You might, you don't know about, like, is there laws around taking photos of an event with just young kids? You know, like, you could run into, like, you can get yourself into a bit of, like, little things like that, you know? Like, what if I took a photo of you and I like it and I put it online and someone buys it off me where does that that, yeah is there like a law and stuff but when I I was lucky because I had mental photographers who said that's great but can you do that better and that's what I've been last feedback 
is everything, you know what I mean? Like, So there's a line that exists between feedback and criticism for one's craft. I asked Lingy whether or not he had ever received some criticism that he couldn't handle. At the start, yes. At the start, yes. Like, you you know, but but then when you stop and go, how did you get there? They'll tell you the same thing. Somebody else gave me that feedback to move forward. Interesting. Yeah, so that's what I mean, like, if you're able to listen, do as you're told, you'll get there. But if you go, cool, good to know, but still don't do as, you, as you're told, you might find yourself in a bit of trouble. And which is fine. It's okay. It's okay to make mistakes, as I say. But you were warned about it. What you're saying? Yeah, if you don't take it on board, there's going to be something you're not going to like. Yeah. But... At the same time, be your own boss too. You know what I mean? Like have some initiative, get out there. Like if you're not going to put in the time, if you're not going to put in the effort, you're just going to stay there. After we finish talking about having a mentor and having them give you feedback so that you can improve, I asked Lingy whether or not it was hard to differentiate between being your own man, being your own boss, being your own brand, or following a mentor and doing what they say because they know that it works. It started that way. It started that way because I didn't have a sense of direction. Before I had like people telling me what to do, go this way, go that way, check this out, have a look into this. But then you slowly, you slowly develop your own creative views. Like you slowly know how to think, like to do things better. You slowly have a bit of experience you say, you know what, give this a go. And that's when it, that's when you know, when you get comfortable, it's it's good. You, you get comfortable, but then you slowly stretch out your arms and say, let me get out of my comfort zone here a bit. That's when you start approaching things, you know, when you know, because you can always take a step back and say, you know what, I'm fine, but you're not going to grow. That's what, that's the important part that I've, I found that maybe I'm not the most successful but maybe I am a little bit successful because of this. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, like literally I went from not affording gear to like, oh, yeah, I can afford that. Yeah, and it, it took a while to get there. But gear is not – I could have the world's most expensive camera, but if I don't know how to use it, yeah. what's the purpose of it? I think if you always have like a objective or a dream to, to meet or to reach, the first step is always the hardest. Yeah. There's, I'm pretty sure there's a thousand reason to keep you in your bed from moving forward. What I'm trying to say, like a lot of people might say gear, like photography gear. Gee, you've got the best gear. That's why you can do this. But you've got to be able to master what you've got with you right exactly that's right and that's what i mean go into a shoot like it might be easy to say oh yeah i've got the best camera and stuff i've got the best musical instrument um i can do anything right well no you can't because you didn't know how to use it you didn't know how to master the limitations right and that goes to your question a shoot right a normal shoot you might go you don't go to like a bride and a groom and say, we're taking photos. They haven't 
they've only got married their first time. This is probably their first time getting married. Okay. They haven't done this 50 times. They haven't practiced the day 50 times. You are the boss. So my shoot goes, you take control, right? You know your gear. You've learned to use it. You've slowly got comfortable with it. But then what about the people? How do you have a connection with them? And then that's when you take control sort of thing. And yeah, so I'm just trying to say is gear is not the most important thing. You can take your iPhone and get used to it and get photo- and start learning from there. But then if you can like... Pick, do you know what I mean? Like if you can, Absolutely. yeah, if you get, get used to things and get comfortable, but it's about making that first step first. So it was a common theme throughout my talkings with Lingy that baby steps are the way to go. I understand that. But after you reach a platform that you're comfortable with, I asked him what time do I move on? You know, like when I got the, that first camera, I got comfortable. I was like, oh my God, like that's cool. I know what it's doing and this and that. And, you know, you just like... I know what I was doing and stuff with it. And I was like, well, I've made a bit of money now. I'm getting comfortable with this one. Look at this gear now. It's a lot better. It does this and this and this. And then that's when you go, all right, maybe I can move forward to this one. I can sustain it. I can afford it. That's when it it got to that extent because I got comfortable and I said, you know what? Let me grow it now. Like, what is the next big thing you know what is you know like now when i'm going to a shoot i've got the gear i'm comfortable with this one in my gear bag i'm trying to keep it as minimal as i can because i at the at this point in time i am a one man one man crew but i've got my sister working me and, and yourself you know you're slowly getting into it but it's so i've actually got two cameras okay most of the time why because one can always fail. Expect the unexpected. Oh, yes, it has happened. But it has happened. It has happened. Yeah, just went to a wedding and this first camera didn't turn on. <laughs> so, Did you well, I had the second camera. So I was lucky to have a second camera. Yeah. And the thing is, like, believe it or not, like, I get that at someone's wedding. But you could always go back and kind of fix things. Like, post. Post. Exactly, like the camera just didn't turn on. I was like, great, what can I do now? Like change the battery after that and I realized, like, yeah, the battery was wrong and stuff. But you just got to settle down. Like you can get a bit nerve wracking, but then I got comfortable again. I got comfortable. Now I'm probably stopped doing weddings a bit because I'm, you know, I'm comfortable with it. After chatting pretty extensively with Lingy about how he's going now and how his business is, currently i wanted to talk to him about how he got started that is probably one of the most interesting things to me and i know if anyone's sitting there wanting to start that is exactly the question they would ask it quickly dawned on me that lingy's first experience behind a film camera was his entry into the greater city of shepherd and council's competition shep proud and it's a competition that asks you to make a short film about what makes you proud to live in Shepparton. Yeah, and that was like my first, that was like the big promo, I think with um, with Sophie. Yeah, it was like, and the only reason I did it. Who's Sophie? Sophie Giuliani and I went to um, school together. And um, so the story behind that is, 
a few of my friends at the time, and I was really keen. That's when I got into photography. And I was like, oh, this four thousand four thousand dollars for it. Like oh, that was the price. And I was like, yeah, we could win. And um, I said, yeah, yeah, we'll do it, we'll do it. But then it's dish me, and I was like, what? Like really? good, classic teenagers right there. Yeah, like classic teenagers. a classic teenager. And I got like I got um, I got ditched, and I was like, well, okay. So I gave Sophie a call, and I said, hey. This, I didn't have a camera that filmed. My camera at the time didn't film. So, hey, Sophie, let's collaborate. Let's do this together. Sophie had a great camera. And I was like, let's go. And and did it. And I won. Like, I couldn't believe we, we won the thing. And it was the story about me coming to Australia and, like, how things went and and how the community adopted me. Like, it's we just went and spoke a bit about that. And... All of a sudden, we won. So then we split into two. So she had two grand. I had two grand. So that went towards my second camera. A bit. I had obviously money saved up from what I could afford at the time. And then the second camera popped up, and that was like huge. It was massive. The second one could film, and that made me get better with it. Like made me understand the newer camera. And and then I was like, oh, now I'm gonna film. I can't film anything. Like. My camera doesn't even film. And I was like, can I get some help, like some advice? So Sophie came down and she had a great camera. And then and I said, that's cool. Now I've got a camera that films. I've got Sophie, who's a great camera, like who can, you know, film it. Now what story am I going to say? Like, what am I shed proud about? Like, what, what? And then that was a whole journey. And I was like, great. So I literally spent hours and hours and hours yeah. like scripting what am i going to take yeah always i've always loved love shep shep has been my my muse like has so always it been from, it came from in but how do you explain that in front of a camera and i'm not a bit i'm not a presenter like i i felt comfortable behind the camera so i said you know what i'm just gonna talk to the camera so i literally um started talking and typing like, um, I think I can still remember because I used to just read it in the shower. It started with, hi, my name is Lingy and this Shepherd, oh, Shepherd is my hometown or something. Yeah. That's how it started. That's amazing. And I had I to, that. and I, I remember it, yeah. It was so long ago too. It was so long ago. I was like, what, 16 years old? Yeah. Yeah. And old man. Old man. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah and it started and then i won I, I i won and i was like great now what what's the next thing you know like and even that the the shep proud made me learn a lot about myself because i wanted to be different i wanted to do things that nobody else was doing and i was like but how can i approach that i was like you know we're all equally given the same opportunity like you've got the town do whatever you want it's how do you become, how, how are you different? So I was literally thinking, 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 what is one thing no one can, is not going to be able to pull off? Like, what is one thing? And I'm like, I'm going to interview people. And then I was like, but that's just usual video. Now, this is me making a video for the first time, right? And I'm going overboard with all these crazy ideas. And I, I remember I was about to rent this, like, expensive, like, slider thing just so i can be different what can i do to be different anyways i was literally in the back like at home just sitting down 
And then like a plane went past, like a good old shit plane just yeah. went past just in the backyard. And I was like, how cool would it be to film from there? And drones have just been new at that time, so you couldn't afford it. And I said, that would have been sick. So I literally looked up Shep Airport and I said, hey, I'm doing this project. And I lied. I said, um, I said it's for non-for-profit. Yeah. Kind of is in a way, but um, not sure if that's ethical. <laughs> but it's for non-for-profit and it's a video for Shep. And I said, I will promote you. I will do anything to get yourself out there. And they said, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll um, find, like, a local thing. And they gave me a few numbers. And some of them answered, some of them didn't answer. Some of them said no. They said no, it's, like, $700 an hour. And I said, gee, like, it's dead right there. And um, so I didn't have a budget. So I got to this guy, and his name was, I think it was James. And he said, like, yeah, I'll take you up for 30 minutes. And I said, how much does that cost? And I think he said, like, $500. And I said, do we pay that? He goes, no, that's, that's fine. We'll, we'll take you up. And I said, this is awesome. So I took my sister, Sophie, and I'm with a camera right now. Like, literally, how do you film from a freaking plane? Like, we went up and stuff, and I was freaking out. I was, like, sweaty. And he, he like, slowed the plane down, and he pulled the window off. And I said, this is cool. And I was poking the camera out. It was all shaking and stuff, and I was just filming it. And that was terrifying. High enough, like, you could see whole shit. And I said, I've never filmed a freaking plane. Like, I've never been on a shit plane before. And now this thing is going, like, side to side. Like, it's going up and down. I'm feeling sick here. And I was just like, what is going on? I did do a few tutorials before how to film off planes but they yeah people do take photos of yeah like people would just say oh yeah make sure you take your camera stuff off and all this and that but um yeah so that was helpful that was yeah really really helpful um and then yeah so it made it look different and then the story was great and then i won yeah but i did i did ask for help like a production company um and i said hey can you help me film this they said yes I had like other people who had approached and say, hey, I'm doing this for, you know, for the show prayer. Would you mind being a part of it? Many said no. Some of them said yes. But it was about, you know, getting out there. And that's what taught me like a massive, like, like a massive thing was like, damn, if you don't ask, you're not going to get it. I think you're never going to be comfortable in asking for one thing. Like you always feel awkward about it. And it is awkward. Like, when I call them and say, hey, this is worth 700 bucks. Could you give it to me for free? Who would say yes? And I said, I'll do whatever I like and stuff. And they, they saw that in me and that was a great opportunity. And, and it goes back to Shep, you know, like get the opportunity. You know, if the opportunity comes up, get it. Because no one's going to be at your door and going to knock and say, hey, I hear that you need some help. No one's going to offer it to you yeah. without you asking. And I was just like, well, I think I can, I can win here. Like, the production level was like, even though it's crap to where I am today, I'm like, I can, I can win here. Like, didn't think I was going to win. I thought it would be interesting to know what exactly was going through Lingy's head before he hit submit on that webpage. Get over and done with. It was like 12 o'clock at night. It was due the next day. 
at school. Yeah. I was like, all right, I didn't think I didn't think it worked anyway. I just, <laughs> yeah, I just did it, and then I think that's like, that's it. Yeah. It is what it is. But I had to kind of show them I did it. My friends, I did it. Like, yeah, I did it. Yeah, of course. I submitted it. Like standing behind the camera to such an important production, probably the most important production of his life to that point. I asked Lingy what the actual hardest part of that entire process was. The hardest part about taking photos is telling someone what to do because you've got to build a connection to that to that person to that model you know like something simple as like you know I, what I do is on a, on a on a wedding day is like tell the the bride and groom to get close and might tell the groom to say hey say a sexy serial name you know you know is and she might you might say like weird beast in the weirdest way but she laughs and you take the photo do you get what I mean like like that's that's the best part about it and and you slowly develop these like cringy I call it cringy. Hell is cringy. These little things that you make them, but I think it's it's the same. You know, you just get comfortable with someone. You know, like it's just getting comfortable with people, and that's the hardest part. Yeah. And it took me a long time because you freak out. You know, like interviewing someone for the first time, you're freaked out. What's going to be the next thing? Okay, okay. like you always do. You get what I mean? You you have to show. Oh yeah, I've done this fifty times. That's when you fake it. That's when you fake it. And but you're freaking out. You're absolutely your blood is boiling. Yeah. But you're freaking out. You're like, yeah, I've done this fifty times. Do you get what I mean? Like you can say, okay. that person work out. Let's come back to it. Let's move to something else. It's like when you're on, on an exam. Yeah. Don't know that question. Move on. Mm-hmm. You don't know that pose. Move on. This doesn't work. Move on. You know, you could ask me a question now. Okay, that didn't go. Point. Let's go to the other one. Expanding on my question before, I asked Lingy specifically to do with Shep Proud what the hardest part of the production process was. I expanded that question even more and I asked Lingy what the hardest challenge he has ever had to overcome as part of Lingy's photography has been for him. My gear was stolen and I had people's work on it. Yeah, and that's when you learn. So I took photos one weekend and I think it was like by Thursday. And then my gear got stolen. It was unexpected. Okay. Like it was, this is three days. I had the chance, three days, to, to back my work up. And the cool thing is, I backed it up, but I had my computer, which was the work, was backed up on. So I lost my computer and my gear. So I lost okay. the original and the backup. Now you've lost someone's work. And this was for a um, for a primary school that I was working for and. And I said, hey, kids, I've lost your work. How do I, what do I do? Photographers do lose people's work. And it's a thing. Like, it's a thing. Imagine if I lost someone's wedding. It's your most special day. Like, it's, it's, it is terrible. But then what can you do about it? Gears fail. What did you do? I apologize. I literally looked up, how can I approach this? That's when Google comes in. That's when Google, yeah, literally, because I didn't know photographers lose people's work. Yeah. And I looked it up, like I lost my client's work and all these emails came back, how to approach it. Walking, and, I, and, I, and, I was, and I said, you know what, I could make 50,000 excuses here, but my excuses are pretty, pretty legitimate. So I think I, it's probably... Yeah, so I called and I said, hey, this is what happened. 
someone broke into my car, took both the original and the backup. I'm sorry. To make up for it, I'm happy to do 50 different free shoot to make up for it, but I can't. I make three backups now at three different places. Well, I've got my main computer, which stays with me. I leave the cap the work on the camera and or the card until it's done, and I've got a main backup on my desk that doesn't go anywhere. An external hard drive, yeah, like a, like a big hard drive. But yeah, there has been photographers who's like lost other people's work, and that's terrible. That I on a more positive general tone, I asked if Lingy had anything in the works for Lingy's photography, and if we have anything to expect from him in the future. Um, I'm looking to grow it you are. bigger, yeah, because sometimes when I take photos, like Debs or anything, I get a few people say, hey, can you do mine, can you do mine, can you do mine? But I say, well, hang on, I can only be at one place at one time, like I can't be at five different places at the same time, like, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to grow it so I have an audience, you know what I mean? Like I don't... This photography has only, like, the business has only have, like, it's only been through, like, word of mouth. That's it. Like, it every, it used to be literally every weekend, Saturday night. I used to take photos at the club, wake up next morning, do a family shot, do a wedding, do this, do that, do this. But then I would only pick up the camera for the money. And that was weird. It was great. The money was coming in. It was absolutely amazing. I used, like, first camera I used to treat it like a baby because I didn't have insurance on it. If I don't have the strap. I drop it, it's gonna break. Do you get? But then I had insurance on all the cameras. I didn't care. Like put on the table, she wrote. Like it would rain. I would just take photos of it. But, but yeah, like it. I kind of lost the the love for it because I goes back to me being comfortable. A dead photo next week, I'll take it. I knew exactly what to do. I need to get there to do this, to do this, to do this. A wedding, cool. Exactly, do this, do this, do this. You want a video done? Mad, I know to do this, to do... And I was like, hang on, but where's the love? Like, I was like... I remember going to, like, family trips and, like, do I need that big heavy bag? Leave it. Like, really? it got to that ex- to that point. A few months ago, it was... Just my gear. And I was like, I don't want to pick it up. It's heavy. Like, I don't want to take that with me. Like, it's... That's my job. It feels like going on a holiday with your uniform. It's like... No, I don't want to do that. And that's when the... Pa- but when I first started, I would take it with me everywhere. I used to take photos of my cousins and stuff like... Do you get what I mean? Like, it just... Because the love was there. Like, it was like... It's my hobby. I love doing this. And and I would just send it to people because they loved it. I post on Facebook because they loved it. But now I'm like, mm, did that invoice get paid? Wow. And I was like, no. Nah. Okay, well that one can wait like it just got to that extent it was like okay i'm picking it up for the money it dawned on me very quickly talking to lingy that burnout is probably a problem that affects a lot of photographers all over the world i asked lingy if he were to go full-time as a photographer whether or not that would actually be a problem for him maybe you will burn maybe you do burn out you know like maybe maybe my career now it might burn out if i do the same thing over and over again but i felt like my hobby was burning and that's why I said hang on a second and that's why I took a couple like a, like a couple of months off last year so hey don't do anything 
let me just get back on track. Because my desk at home used to be messy from camera batteries, computer, and stuff because the workload is coming in, you know, big. Like, where I used to, after, like, stuff, I used to clean my camera, put it in the bag, you know what I mean? Like, put it away neatly. But now on a wedding show, you just go, in the car, let's go. We've got other places to be at. Like, the love was gone. Yeah, because it was every weekend. Like, Friday night, I knew I had to take photos at this club. Saturday night, I knew I had to be do this. Next morning, I have to wake up. And then I didn't have time for myself. Like, I'd literally do one, I'd have my full-time job and then go do something else. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, it was great. Like, I used to look at gears and say, oh, yeah, that's an investment. Yeah. I can get that in. Like, I can afford that. It goes back to me loving it now. When I look at myself when I started, I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford the most expensive lens. I remember I had to like save so much because photography gear is expensive. And then I was like, oh, if I had that gear, I could do this, 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 and this, this. But they're all the same. You know what I mean? Like they're all, all the same. It goes back to being comfortable with what you've got because I was literally buying all these things because I can afford it. And then now I've got the finance to be able to, to sustain the business, but then I don't have the time. Do you get what I mean? It's how do you find the balance? And that's that's what I mean. I'm not perfect. I'm I'm still trying to I'm still trying to like find that balance. Yeah. And that's hard probably cliche but i asked lingy whether or not he will actually find this balance i will i think i will it looks like me going home and say you know what i've got to edit this but i can sleep tonight i can do this tonight but maybe this one can wait till tomorrow because it used to be go home get this done sleep i've got to shoot there good that it was getting crazy yeah but i think you know if you want to get something out of this it's like you know, I would say is get up, look at something you want to do and take baby step towards it. There's help, there's plenty of help out there. You know, there's plenty and plenty and plenty of help out there. But no one's going to know that you need help if you don't ask. Because no one's going to come to your door and say, hey, had a dream last night that you need some help with this if you don't ask you know like if you don't ask someone they're not gonna know this type of self-directed learning is exactly why i wanted to start this podcast so naturally the next question i hit lingy with was whether or not he actually believes in the ingredient x theory the theory being that success is something that you have inherent in you in your nature or whether it's something that can actually be cultivated over time depending on who you surround yourself with or the books you read the, the shows you watch I didn't know how to speak English yeah. now I'm approaching people in a whole different country you know it's what you make it's what you make of it you know what I mean like where can people find me plug plug let's send go this send it here we go is photography yes it's gonna grow you know we're not I'm not there yet. I'm not going to get there anytime soon. Mm. 
but slowly going to take baby steps. So after learning about Lingy's inspirational story, I asked whether or not he just had some final words to wrap everything together. Thank you. Honestly, thank you. Because you're there, you're making that baby step to inspire those to move forward. And that's great. Appreciate you for it. No, but not for real. Honestly, like you're onto something here. Who thinks of a, I'm going to do a podcast. And so honestly, I think it's a little bit ironic that it's taken me until Lingy's final words to work out his message. And to me, the conversation that I had with him was, you get back what you put in. His final words weren't taken up with his own plug. You can find him at Lingy's Photography on Facebook. But his final words were taken up with how impressed he was that I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. And I think pretty perfectly that embodies the idea of this podcast and the people that I want to have conversations with. So ladies and gentlemen, that was the Lingy podcast. As mentioned, you can find him on Facebook on Lingy's Photography. I just want to say a big thanks, man, for taking the time out of your day to sit down and talk with me. It's been an eye-opening conversation. You can follow the journey of this podcast for now on my Instagram at Grady Tyson, just the way it sounds. Um, but we'll probably be looking to expand. This is episode one of the Ingredient X podcast, and I encourage you all to stay tuned for some conversations you won't want to miss right here on the Ingredient X podcast.